edition of Conversations and Connections, the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. And again, I'm Stuart Burson, the prevention specialist here at the Crisis Center. And with us today is our development director, Melissa Wheeler, also my boss. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Stuart. (laughs) Thanks for having me today. Well, I I appreciate it, and I appreciate you letting me do the podcast and... uh, and all that good stuff. Well, we're in, um, as we're recording this, and when this podcast will be released, it's the last week of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and uh, you've been pretty busy. It has been a busy month. <laughs> Very busy. <laughs> been been kind of, it's been uh, pretty nonstop. Uh, well, first of all, before we really get into um, what we've been doing um, during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um Tell us just a little bit, uh, development director, what, what does a development director do? Well, Stuart, honestly, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Um, I actually started here at the agency back in March, so I've only been here for just a few months. Um, so when I say I'm still figuring that out, we kind of are, but um, honestly, this position is really a lot of relationship building um, for different areas in the community with donors. Um Prevention, you being the prevention coordinator in your position, our goal is to get the message out for prevention to whoever will allow us to come and visit with either their employees, their you know their staff members, um, students, what have you. So we are working with the community to help get that prevention message out. And then um, community development and um, outreach and really marketing and sharing what the Family Crisis Center does, why we're here, who we help bring awareness um, in that capacity and involvement with the community. And then grant funding, um, really looking at ways to bring in money um, because we all have to have money to operate, even if you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you can't operate without money, right? So, <laughs> right. Um, so grant funding, donor development, media relations, um, just a little bit of everything except that's, for direct client services. That, that, kind of that's the only part I'm really not. That's a lot. Of. That's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, you take it piece by piece and and work on it day by day. Right. Well, uh, the big project for the agency this year during um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month has been the Empowering Survivors T-shirt project, and that's really been a big undertaking uh, for you and for and for all of us uh, to take care of. Tell us a little bit about uh, how did that go? Well, tell us you might want to tell us a little bit about what it was and. And how did that, how did we pull that off this year? It's definitely been a team project for sure. So I'm great. I'm grateful that we have a awesome team here at the Family Crisis Center, um, not just with the staff that, that I serve and, and work with directly, but then the agency as a whole. So what we did is um, those that really are some of the main key um, players in helping those that have experienced domestic violence. We started out, man, I guess back in July or August, um, really looking at ways and discussing and coming together and trying to come up with a plan with COVID and the pandemic of how we can put together some type of informational setting um, to draw people in to bring that domestic violence awareness um, to the community. And what we came up with was a way to to put out a display and let people um, really see and hopefully be impacted by the message and stories that they can that they visualize as they go by. Um, we kind of played off of some of the past projects that the agency's done and and projects that others 
you know, around the nation maybe have done, but made it our own and mm-hmm. just did a spinoff. So the Empowering Survivors T-Shirt Project, um, what that is, we have, we've set it up and it started out in Lufkin at the thrift store. It moved to Nacogdoches to their thrift store and then it moved to Crockett. So it was like a traveling display around East Texas. So we put it up in Crockett at the, um, the food park and the farmer's market there. And we also have it up in center at Klein Family Medical Clinic. They um, were so gracious to partner with us and host that display. And then um, SFA reached out to us. One of their one of their student groups um, at, with the School of Social Work reached out to us and said, "Hey, we would love to." We they saw the pictures because that really wasn't planned to begin with. No, to have it there at SFA. no, it wasn't planned at all. So it was nice to have that fifth, and it actually um, will be up through the end of October as well. So. We got five display setups um, with it. So this display, the representation on it, what we did is we looked at putting T-shirts out there with quotes from survivors. Mm-hmm. And so we have we identified some quotes um, from survivors um, or those that are, you know, more of that still in that victim status and then those that are truly surviving that they've come out out of that. And we just, we played off of that. Um, we identified three colors for t-shirts. There's uh, a black t-shirt on the display and that black t-shirt is going to represent all of the victims, actual victims of domestic violence. Those who have died as a result of domestic violence. Um, they either maybe didn't know that there was help or realized that they were in the situation they were in, you know, for whatever reason, um, they became a victim. So that black t-shirt represents all of those, whether they're in East Texas or not. Sure. Um, the rest of the t-shirts represent the East Texas clients that we serve to some capacity because we have seven gray shirts on the line and these seven gray shirts with their quotes, those are, um, giving you the impression of, People who are still living in domestic violence situations, they've not been able to figure out maybe or realize that they're in domestic violence or figure out how to get out of it or made that step. just got that courage to step Mm -hmm. out and say, I need help. I want out of this situation. So that's what the gray shirts represent. And then the white shirts, there's three white shirts on the line. And those white shirts are the survivors. They've either been a part of our agency, they've come here and asked for help, or some other way they've been able to get out of that domestic violence situation. And they're thriving and living their life um, free from domestic violence. And that's where we want people to be. Sure, sure. Um, So there's 12 shirts on the line total. And um, the gray shirt's representing everyone who's been a victim but then the other 11 shirts they also have a significance because the family crisis center in 2019 served just over 1100 survivors of domestic violence so we looked at that number and we divided it up and so each one of those 11 t-shirts on the line is equal to equivalent to 100 survivors that mm-hmm. came to through the agency and we served. So there's a pretty good significance as to why the display is the way it is. Um, if you've been able to see it, great in person. If not, it's out there on Facebook, on our <laughs> Facebook page and on Instagram. We have some videos that different ones in the community have done. We've put out as well. And you'll see that there's a kind of end caps at the end of the clothesline uh, boards on there. And it's describing the Empowering Survivors t-shirt project what it means has phone numbers listed on there as well so there's the hotline number that 
if anyone's needing help, they could reach out to a crisis worker 24 mm-hmm. hours a day, seven days a week. And that number, I'll say it, I'm sure Stuart will remind us at the end, but it's 1-800-828-7233 or 1-800-828-SAFE, S-A-F-E. What kind of, uh, have you received any feedback yet from the display? Have you heard from the community or has anybody reached out to us to uh, comment about it? Actually, um, yes. So when the display went up in Lufkin, uh, right away, I received a message from a mom who um, just thanked me and said that it made such a difference or it made such an impact seeing that display for her because she has a daughter that had been through a domestic violence situation in the past, and she, and the mom didn't even realize what the daughter was going through until the daughter came to our agency and shared her story and then opened up to the mom. And it just, and knowing that family and, you know, it I don't know, just talking about it, it, it gives me the, you know, chill bumps to know that that we are here doing a great work and helping people. And, and that particular daughter for that mom, she said she has her smile back. And so, and I tell that story because... That story sounds to me like that could be every single survivor that walks in our doors yeah, and kind of right. the situation that they're in, no matter what they've been through, the, um, you know, we can help them um, move past that so that they can find their smile again. And with that comes the empowering survivors. And that's what this project is about is try to give that information out there. So other things that we've had, we've had, um, all the different media and all the different communities have come out and covered this um, project for us. It's been shared. We've had um, chambers and different ones uh, video. The Lufkin Chamber came out and videoed and put it on their Facebook page. Um, and then the SFA location, like we said, yeah, that one right. wasn't originally scheduled. And they reached out to us and we said, yes, we'll make it happen. And they were just super excited and thankful to have it up um, and so to help get that message out for what they do as well. Going by the 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 success that this project has had, um, is it too early yet to say, will there be similar projects like this in the future? Are we going to do something completely different? Or I know that's kind of asking you to gaze into a crystal ball, maybe. I don't know. But uh, or maybe something similar. Do you think that we'll do something similar like this in, in the future? Big projects like this? I think there's something to be said about doing a project like this to where it's on display for the community to see because we can do a one-time event in, in each community and share the message that day with that group that is right there. But then at the end of the day, there's you know that message only goes so far, but if you can put a, something out in the community where it's visible, where those driving by can take a look at it. I mean, even my 13-year-old daughter, when it was in Lufkin, and I said, hey, you need to come see you know, what we put up, because she was a part of seeing me paint the boards. I was the one painting the boards and putting all the information on there at the house and staying up late and spending my weekend and doing that, and my husband built the boards, so I, I just need to give a shout-out to him. Um, Terry, thank you so much, <laughs> because he did that, but... Um, but so we, I said, let's drive by the store and let you look at it so you can see the end result. And um, one of the t-shirts 
on there is a, uh, and the t-shirts are in different sizes too. I left that out. Um, they're in kids' youth sizes. They go anywhere from youth small all the way up to adult extra large. And then the quotes that are on the t-shirts kind of coordinate with the size. So if it's a child size t-shirt, then the quote kind of fits with what a child would have said right. or did say. And there's one that says, he's trying to kill my mommy. And when my daughter saw that one, she said, Mom, I don't want to see anymore. I, I don't want to, you know. So it just, it struck a sensitive place for her, like, because, you know, those children or those adults who have never lived in that situation and never experienced it before, you know, we don't always know what that's like. So to see that with those quotes really, <coughs> it makes Excuse it me. hit home and right. and become a little more real to where you could empathize and understand um, mm-hmm. in some way. So I don't know in the future. I guess it comes down to our planning team and what we come up with. Um, there are several different awareness months throughout the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, we will be, you know, hitting on those and looking at, you know, what do we do moving forward? What can we do in the capacity of actually bringing people physically together? And what limitations do we have on that? And what do we need to do to get the message out there and be visible in unique ways that sure. the community can see and maybe draw somebody in. And if it's not something um, that they're experiencing, they may know somebody who is and they can pass the information along to those other people. Is there anything else that we're in the, that's in the planning stages right now, uh, maybe from now until the rest of the year that you can share yet? So we always have a lot of things going on. I didn't realize how much the Family <laughs> Crisis Center had that happens throughout the year until we're coming here. So one of the, the um, things that is actually not announced just yet, but it's on the way, but it's an annual thing that we do is Christmas Adopt a Family. Adopt a Family every Christmas. Um, the agency identifies um, through the advocates, they identify families who have who are current clients, and, and there's a, some requirements as to who can participate and what client families and survivor families um, can be available for adoption. And so that's coming up. Um, that'll be all that announcements uh, will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And what we do is we allow people just to let us know, I, ha- I would love to adopt a family. And then Greta Rich, who's our community outreach coordinator will um she'll match up that donor with the families that the advocates have brought in families don't know who the donor is and the donor doesn't know who the families are but they do know that there's request of certain gift items and so they'll um Greta's real good about giving them enough information that they can make their shopping decisions based on the wish list so maybe like okay this is a a family with two kids one boy one girl in the age so they'll kind of know I guess who to shop. Yes, and it's it's when, when we say family, it's typically one parent and the sure. children of right. that parent, right. um, because we only serve the the parent that's um, the survivor mm-hmm. of the of the violent situation, and so um, yes, we will. We will um, provide the donor, match them up, provide the donor with those specifications of the just the general things that they need to know um, to help them with their shopping experience, and then ask those donors to bring back those gifts unwrapped and potentially some gift wrap so that the parent, because we serve moms and dads, mm-hmm. but the parent could wrap those gifts themselves and they can determine do, you know, 
how to label that gift as to who right. it's from. Sure. Um, well, let's let's um, talk about fundraising or or donations. Uh, and our very first episode, Heather, uh, our our agency director, kind of we, we our executive director, we kind of touched a little bit about the importance of donations, but. That's one of your jobs is to raise money for the agency. Uh, how important, you know, of course, we're, we're a nonprofit, but like you said earlier, a nonprofit, you still got to have funds to uh, to operate, to pay staff, and for all the events that we have for our staff. Um, talk about the, if you don't mind, talk about the importance of donations to an agency like the Family Crisis Center. There's a lot of significance to the donations, um, not just for, and there's a lot of different ways to donate. So there's kind of multiple things to talk about with donations there. Um, in the spring, um, we identified that the average cost to provide a night of shelter for a domestic violence survivor at the safe house that we have is $35 a night. So that's for every mother, every child, or every father that comes in is $35 a night on average to provide a night of shelter. And so from that process, we sent an appeal to donors and to those who have been involved in the past with the community or through the community with the agency that we had a need. And we asked mm -hmm. them to help meet that need so that we could continue to provide the, those nights of shelter. And the donors gave they came in and gave. And so by year end, we're looking at an, another need. Um, we've identified an amount there as well that will help us start 2021. And because of those donations and those donors and their giving on that monetary level, just from that, um, that appeal, we are able to provide counseling, advocacy, personal and legal advocacy for those clients. And many more things. Um, some things I didn't even realize. Sometimes we have clients in our transitional housing or we, um, we need, they need a little bit of help with utilities or rent, but they, you know, there's definitely some requirements there to make all that happen or transportation needs mm -hmm. um, in order, to, you know, to do some of the things that they do or education, like certification so that they can get a job or childcare. That's where those donations help so much. So there's the monetary donations, just you know, strictly giving in that regard. And then we have um, the safe house and those clients, um, they a lot of times need physical items like toiletries, you know, new items, toiletries, mm -hmm. food, because we cook for them. Right. So food donations sure. are always great. Baby items, school supplies for the kids, blankets. If you just think about anything that's essential for a family that's coming to, to the safe house that has absolutely nothing, that's what... Safe house items donations could be helpful, and those can be donated to the Lufkin Administrative Office or the any of our outreach offices, and that could be then funneled out to the safe house. Stuart's laughing at me because I'm talking with my hands, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Um, another another place that we receive donations is at the thrift stores. Our um, Lufkin and Nacogdoches. Um, thrift stores, they receive donations of all kinds of gently used items, furniture, clothing, shoes, housewares, home decorations, outdoor items, patio items, etc. We even love to take retail stores, their closeout or clearance items, brand new items yeah. that 
they don't know what to do with, we will take those in. We love those donations and put them on our floor because those dollars that are generated from those thrift stores, outside of the expenses of the thrift store, everything, all the profit comes back to the agency for the agency to be able to use in general funds for all the Mm -hmm. items that grant funding doesn't, um, you know, doesn't cover. And that's, I know, fixing a segue in. But I also need to say that all of these donor matches, volunteer hours and everything, we use all of that information. So if you donate to the thrift store and they ask if you want to fill out the little ticket um, for your tax purposes, just know you don't have to use that for tax purposes, but it truly helps us on our grant funding side of things because we need in-kind matches and cash matches a lot of times to go with those grants. Um, Those are requirements in order to receive that grant. So it truly does help in so many more ways than just that actual donation itself. Well, it's funny that you should mention grants, Melissa. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about grants. Uh, obviously, donations and, and, and all that are very important. But also, an, another um, way for us to operate and uh, financially is, is through grants, right? Yes. And so our grant funding comes from different sources. There's federal grants, state grants, and then there's private foundations as well. And and there's um, different groups, even in the community, that raise funds. And there's a application process that, that um, we go through in order to receive that funding. And with all of those, there's always a reporting side of it as well. So we're not only just asking for money and saying this is what we're going to use the money for, but we're also then reporting back, whether it's quarterly or annually, and letting those um, grant funders know that this is this is the result of your money and this is what we've done with the money that you've, you've allowed us to use and how mm-hmm. we've helped survivors of domestic violence. Um, so some of the things that grants and, and money will cover is some staff payroll, utilities, office supplies, the housing needs, transportation as well, just survivor needs in general. So they're really important in, in making, um, making all these pieces come together. Yeah, sure. So that we have the funds um, to, do, to, to provide the services to the survivors that they need the most. Melissa, how did you find yourself here? What, you know, when little Melissa was wondering what she was going to do when she grows up, did you think you would be doing nonprofit work like this? Uh, uh, What made you decide to get in this, have this type of career? Actually, little Melissa thought she was going to be a pediatrician or a dentist or something like that. Um, And then as she got a little older, she thought she was going to be an accountant. And then she took a few accounting classes and went, no, I like numbers and I, you know, I can do budgets, but I don't want to do accounting. Um, No, actually, um, gosh, I guess I I started out working for a couple of offices, um, graduated from Stephen F. Austin State University, so I'm local gal um, in general business. I have a bachelor's in general business because I was like, general business, that covers everything. About the time I had finally figured out that I love marketing, I was going to have to take another semester's worth of classes to graduate, to graduate with a marketing degree. And I said, you know what, I'm ready to be done. So, <laughs> um, so general business it is, but I always had that love for the marketing and advertising world. 
And I've always been a part of events and sports and teams. And so that came natural to me as well. Uh, In 2000, I opened my own custom frame shop. Artistic Framing was its name. I ran that for five years. Loved it. Loved that retail world. You know, I had that marketing and I became involved in the community during that time. Um, Volunteered in scout leadership with my son and um, coaching baseball and basketball 4-H and then involved with the chamber because of the business side of things and fell in love with the um, the people in the chamber and I'm from Lufkin area from Hudson so I knew a lot of people um, when that when that business time kind of played out and it was time to do something different there was opportunity for marketing at it was Memorial Health System of East Texas then, um, CHI Memorial now here in Lufkin. I started out in marketing for Temple Imaging Center, moved over to the hospital marketing, and really learned a lot. That's where I learned a lot about marketing and was there for six years and transitioned over to the chamber, the Lufkin Angelina County Chamber of Commerce, and was the program operations manager. So I coordinated lots of events and projects and things the chamber does, worked with donors and the, you know, business people in the community. Um, So have a lot of connections that way. So whenever the Family Crisis Center position came open, I had actually um, been working from home for the past three years. So, but the needs and the uh, objectives of this position a lot of what I've done in the past, they correlated and overlapped. And so um, I found out about the position actually through my husband. He's the one that heard about it from Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And said, okay. hey, you ought to check this out. So um, Heather Carty, who's the executive director here, she and I have known each other for years. So I called her, you know, looked it up, called her and did an interview. And here I am. There, and here, here you I are. am. So it's been, um, it's been exciting. It's been good and fun. And so I feel like I'm. You know, just yeah. d- doing the things that I've you know learned and done in the past, but learning so much more sure. along the way too. So, if I brought you some artwork, could you still frame it? I don't have equipment to frame <laughs> it. Um, I could still do it if I had the equipment, but I don't have the equipment. Right. Yeah, that was that was a fun five years. Um, that all changed when my second son came along, and I realized that um, in the retail world, I already knew that Christmas was the you yeah, know, busiest time, sure. and when you're building frames for picture frames for people and framing their special objects you don't have a lot of time to celebrate with your family and I just it just (laughs) when he came along I said you know it's time for a change so um but I love that I can still sometimes see people's artwork on the wall that I framed and it's always fun right that's cool that as well all right well Melissa thank you so much I appreciate it uh for taking some time out and, and coming on to the to the podcast. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Um, and again, if you want to take a look at the uh, Empowering Survivors t-shirt project, you can go to our Facebook page. Just go on Facebook, look up Family Crisis Center of East Texas. We do have some pictures of the project up on Facebook. And if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can email us. That email address is conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And as uh, uh, Melissa mentioned this phone number earlier, but if you feel like you're in need of our services, no no matter what it is, uh, you can give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our 24-hour hotline number, that number is 1-800-828-7233. 
That's 1-800-828-7233. And as always, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.